0: Well, good morning, church. As we, as we wipe a tear away, we say goodbye to Friday and we say hello to Resurrection Sunday. Amen. Amen. That we, we say goodbye to, to what was lost and we say hello to what has now been gained in Jesus. And, and I don't know about you, but this is the Super Bowl of, of Churchville, okay? This is what we live for and we love to gather together like this. Uh, my name is Pastor John Feek. Welcome. And if you don't have a copy of God's Word, you should have one in your row. Go ahead and grab that. If you don't have a bulletin, shoot up your hand. Our men will get you one. And we want to engage with God's Word today. I don't know if you walked in this morning in need of encouragement, in need of a word from God. And maybe God has been silent. Maybe He has been distant. And maybe, just maybe, you've been distant and you've been running and hiding and know that God's on the move. God is on the hunt. God will not quit. He doesn't give up. He pursues, and he's got a word for us today about Friday and about Sunday. So if you would open your copy of God's Word to Philippians chapter 2, we are just going to be looking at a few verses with the the next moments that we have. Okay, Philippians, if you want to look at the table of contents, you can flip there. There's no, no shame towards the back of the, the Bible. One of Paul's letters. Paul knew something uh, about Sunday. He knew something about resurrection uh, to have a, a homicidal maniac that was on the hunt, slaughtering, killing, imprisoning Christians. And then his resurrection came. Jesus showed up and he changed everything because Jesus did everything for him Saul turned Paul now realized his whole life could be given over to a greater mission, a higher purpose than his own. And uh, then the name of this message just briefly in God's word is he became my everything. He became my everything. Everybody say my. My it's one thing to know that that Jesus is everything. And to even know that in your head and even to know a little bit of scripture, just enough to be dangerous and and have just a sprinkling of church attendance here and there, just enough to know some facts about this Jesus, which is very different than realizing that he has become my everything. Has he become your, your everything? Is he your all? Is he your purpose, your goodness? Is he your mission, your vision for the future? Is he everything that he has promised. Well, let's go on a journey, shall we? Philippians chapter two, if you're taking notes, starting in verse six, we wanna dive right in and we wanna learn a little bit about Friday. So if you're taking notes, jot this down. Friday, he became nothing Friday. What we call good Friday was bad Friday for, for Jesus, the cross, slaughtering, death. What happened on Friday, verse six, as Paul describes the experience of jesus though he was in the form of god he did not count equality with god a thing to be grasped why? why why did he not consider equality with god a thing to be grasped why why would he not consider that why would he not be grasping for that why why everybody say why 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 would he do that do you know why because he already had it yo. He already had it. He didn't he didn't need to grasp for it. He didn't need to run after it. He didn't need to achieve it. He didn't need to climb the ladder. He didn't he didn't need more because he already had it all. Isn't that amazing? Jesus himself wasn't trying to aspire to something. He had it all and he left heaven and he gave it all up. He knew who he was. He knew what he had and he didn't have to grasp for it. He didn't have to Beg for it. He didn't have to hope that he was going to arrive someday. He already had it. Did you know that before? This is going to be a, a mind blow, okay? All right, if you can handle it, if you can handle it. I know it's early in the morning. Hopefully, hopefully you're well caffeinated, but I mean, think about this. Before the creation of the world, before the creation of planets, before the creation of animals, plants, before any kind of water, air, any kind of land was here, before the first thing was created, God has always existed. Before time began, God was there. God is eternal. Jesus, His Father, and the Spirit, perfect community before anything was created. God did not create things because He was lonely. God did not create things because He was bored. Loneliness and boredom are not in the vocabulary of the Trinity. God left everything He had and he came to this dirt wad of a place called earth. He left the perfection of, his, of heaven. He left perfection and he came to the, the most wicked of places where people hated him and rejected him. He gave it all up for you and for me. Turn to your neighbor and say, that's amazing. That is, that is amazing. God's love drives Jesus, the second person of the Trinity, to an insane mission of passion and love and care and concern. He wouldn't just come and be a king. He would come and be a peasant. Literally throughout Scripture, it says that he came and he was a slave. He was the lowest of the low. He gave up not just heaven, he gave up all human comforts. Anything that you and I experience, you didn't have any of it. But know this, Verse 6 makes it clear. He did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped because he was God. If you're taking notes, write this down. Deity. Deity. It's like, de who de what D-E-I-T-Y. Deity. He is God. He is God. Jesus has always been and always will be the second person, son of God, entire deity, God over every so-called God deity. Deity. Every say deity. There you go. Now you can impress your friends. You got a $5,000 word in your pocket? Just pull it out when convenient, okay? Hebrews 1.3, he is the radiance of the glory of God, the exact, every say exact, exact imprint of his nature. He upholds. What does Jesus do? He upholds the universe by the word of his power. What have you done with the power of your words? What have you created with a whisper? God upholds and keeps everything moving, going in creation by the word of his power after making purification for sins. He took care of sin, the sin problem, and he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. Everybody say that's awesome. Jesus accomplished the mission in which he was sent. He gave it all up. He finished the job. He is God. He's the one that rules. He's the sovereign one. Colossians 1.16. This is just so awesome. For by him, by who? Jesus. Everybody say Jesus. For by him all things were created. Everything that was created by who? By Jesus. He created everything in heaven, earth, visible, invisible, thrones, dominions, rulers, authorities, all things were created through him and for him. Look around. What is all this for? It's for him. It's for him. Do you know that God didn't create all this for you? It's not about you. It's about It's about Him. Everything's about Him. The one who creates gets to dictate what the creation does and what the creation is for. God's the boss. You're not the boss. Jesus is the boss, and He created it all. He is before all things, and in Him all things hold together. But what did He do? Verse 7. You looking? You looking? I ain't got nothing to say. Hopefully you got God's Word open, right? What what does God say? What does God say? Verse 7. But, everybody say but, but He emptied Himself by taking the form of a servant being born in the likeness of men. Everybody say humility. There it is. There it is. God wasn't just displaying humility. Jesus is humility. Jesus is humility. I don't know what kind of, when when I say what's God like, I don't know what kind of images come into your mind, right? I don't even feel like we know each other that well. That's kind of sad. We should change that. But as as we think about this, the most important thing about you is what you think when you think about God. The most important thing about you is what you think when you think about God. What is God like? Well, you don't get to dictate what God is like. You don't get to define. Nobody defines what you're like. You're you. You you get to define who you are, right? Well, God is the embodiment of humility, that he would be the highest, the exalted, and he would get not just low, he would get all the way down. He would be a servant, a slave, in the likeness of his creation of men. Humility, humility. Verse eight, are you there? Verse eight, and being found in human form, just like us, he slipped into our skin. He humbled himself by becoming obedient. Everybody say obedient. There it is, obedient to the point of death, even death on a, yeah, we remember Friday, right? We remember Friday. What does God deserve? God deserves all glory, all honor, all praise. What does God choose? He chooses death. He chooses sacrifice for you, for me. That's that's what that's what he does. That's what love does. If you want to write this down, if you're taking notes, he goes from deity and still deity, he demonstrates humility, and he goes from humility to nothing. Nothing. Turn to your neighbor and say nothing. 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 That's what he did. That's what he did for for you. He didn't just kind of give you some good things. He didn't kind of just reach out a hand and meet you halfway. He became nothing because that's what the mission demanded. He gave it all up. He became nothing. Hear this. We remember that Friday was violent. Saturday was silent. But Sunday's coming. But Sunday's coming. But Sunday's coming. Here we go. Number two, if you're taking notes. Sunday, he became everything. Everything he became everything on friday he became nothing on sunday he becomes everything why did he do that did he need to do that for his own sake we forget we forget that easter isn't about you it's not about me it's about jesus pursuing wanting to be known wanting to demonstrate his love wanting to be seen wanting not to wait from a distance until you get all cleaned up and you get yourself all proper and ready and you try to outdo some of the bad stuff with good and try to move forward from regret and shame and guilt. He didn't wait at a distance. He came for you. He became the definition of humility, nothing. Hanging on a cross. Do you realize that the word cross was a a new term? The term cross didn't even exist before Jesus. They had crosses, but in Greek, they didn't have a word for that thing. They called it a tree. They called it wood. They, they called it a torture device. And then all of a sudden, this word was created out of the cross. We get the word excruciating pain. Have you experienced excruciating pain? Like if you've ever jumped up for a ball and you've fallen and thought that you broke your ankle and maybe you had like the worst sprain ever, at that moment you were a big throbbing ankle, right? I don't know if you've ever gotten a thumb in the eye, but at that moment you are a big pulsating eye, excruciating pain. I don't know if you've had any like dental issues, uh, if you've had maybe a need for a root canal, but you were on a retreat for a whole week without aspirin or Tylenol, just theoretically speaking and an entire week of uh, there's no relief and there's no sleep and I can't get to a dentist and I need one now. Root canal, excruciating, but nothing, nothing compared to the cross. They had to create a word for the type of pain that Jesus experienced because he didn't just hang on the cross, that he was beaten nearly to death with 39 whips, and you're talking 39 times of skin ripping off and organs starting to come out and his entire back shredded and still have to carry the cross and go up the hill and then be hung to the point that people had never seen pain like this before why did he do that why would he be punished as a criminal the perfect one the one that did no wrong the one that loved perfectly tortured excruciating pain sunday was coming but friday was real and here we go what is going to happen after death on the cross what does verse nine say it starts with therefore therefore everybody say therefore okay Can, can you help me out now that you know your part okay you know your part all right what's your part therefore come on uh it's weak it's weak it's weak one more time therefore there you go okay so back to verse eight being found in the human form he humbled himself becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Here we go. God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that's above every name. Everybody, everybody asks, what's the name? Turn to your neighbor, ask him, what's the name? What's the name? He got a name. He got a name that's above every name. What's the name? What's the name? Well, he was born and Mary called him. So he already had that name. He already had that name. That was his given name. Did you know that Jesus was a pretty common uh, name? Do you know in in Greek, as far as Jesus goes, it's the Old Testament version of uh, Yeshua, which is Joshua. It's a very common name today. say, hola, Jesus. I mean, all the time, all the time, right? Very, very common name. Everybody say, that's not the name. That's not the name. That's not the name. That's not what he's talking about. There was a name given to him once he laid down his life and he had Gained the victory because Sunday, Sunday changed it all. There's a name that was given to Jesus. What, what, do we, what do we have? Here we go. Sunday, he became everything. God exalts him. If you're taking notes, write that down. Exalted, exalted, exalted. He's exalted. So at the name of Jesus, everybody asks, what's the name? What's the name? It's not Jesus. It's not Jesus, but we're getting there. We're getting closer. Turn your neighbor and say, we're getting closer. Okay, be patient, be patient, be patient. We're getting there. We only got a couple of verses left, all right? It's not far off. It's not far off. Here we go. Here we go. Highly exalted, bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus, every knee is going to bow. Do you believe that? Every knee is going to bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. So does that include everybody that followed him and, and is off to heaven? Yes, that would include them. Does that include when he returns and there's still people on the earth, that they're going to bow the knee before Jesus? Yes. Under the earth, are you talking people that have already died and they already rejected Jesus and they are in hell? Are they are they going to bend the knee? Are they going to bow down? Yes, on that day, when it's all over, Jesus, because of what He accomplished, as we think about Easter, every knee, every knee is going to bow. All will bow now or then. If you're taking notes, jot this down. Elevated, He was elevated to a place that nobody else. Is elevated. But that's based on what? If, every say if, if Jesus actually rose from the dead. So what if Jesus didn't rise from the dead? Every say problem. We have a problem. I got some questions. Got some questions. If Jesus didn't rise from the dead, then who rolled the stone away? If Jesus didn't rise from the dead, why were guards bribed? Do you know in Matthew it talks about like Jesus' tomb is empty. They were set in front of that tomb to guard it. Uh, they're gonna die. If they fail at their job and all of a sudden the high priests say, hey, guards, hey, guards, uh, we'll give you some cash. Okay, we'll work something out. Tell tell everybody that his disciples, like, just came in and, and stole the body. How likely is that? Uh, pretty likely? Not so. Not so likely. Ah, yeah, not, not so much, right? Like, oh, yeah, the disciples, guys that are just fishermen. You know, fishermen just roll 2,000-pound stones, right, out of the way. Not happening. Turn to your neighbor and say, not happening. Yeah. So if Jesus didn't rise from the dead, who overcame the guards? Who appeared to the apostles? Who overpowered the apostles to have the power to heal? How were 500 people convinced to lie? Because 500 eyewitnesses saw Jesus alive, the risen Jesus. How about this? Why did the apostles die as martyrs? Would you die for something that was a lie that wasn't true? Jesus didn't really rise from the dead, but let's be tortured and let's be persecuted for the rest of our lives. We'll go down with this lie. Anybody think that's happening? Uh, No, I submit to you, not. Not happening. Well, who appeared to Saul? Who radically transformed Saul's life into Paul? The letter that we are reading right now, who would change a heart like that? And here's a big question that I ask myself. Who changed my life? What kind of explanation is there? And for some of us, we're not besties, okay? Not yet, right? Things can change. Who, who takes somebody that hates God, running from God, that loves to destroy people's lives, that there's, there's over 10 years of my life that I don't remember from being high and drunk and becoming a drug dealer and facing 20 years in prison as a criminal, and that in a moment... And I guarantee this, it happened in a moment, that in a moment, the Jesus that's alive, the resurrected Jesus, he came and met me in the place that was the ugliest, and the place that I was the hardest, and that I was suicidal, and that I was ready to quit and be done, and that F-bomb after F-bomb, cussing God, out driving in my car. How dare he? And that he would meet me there. And that in a moment, I, I would be experiencing resurrection, power, forgiveness of sin. That I would think clearly all the bong hits and acid trips, that uh, everything's clear now new desires. I don't want to live that way. I don't want to sleep with her. I don't want to go back to the old way. I don't want to compromise anymore. I don't want to keep giving in to temptation. I don't want that. I don't want old. I need new. I need something new. And he made me brand new. So I ask, if Jesus has not risen, how did he change me if he doesn't exist? How did I change? How did my life turn around in a moment? How did I stand before a judge and say 20 years could be a glorious time for ministry to tell people the least of these, the worst of these about Jesus? That all the anxiety and all the fear, gone. How does that happen? And I tell you, He's risen. He's alive. He changes people. And the last question I have to ask is, if Jesus has not risen, then how in the world is all of this happening? That lives are being changed. How is He working among us if He has not risen from the grave? How is He changing a people that would never like we'd never hang out? All right, no offense. I right? just like I, you're not my first choice, so I, I wouldn't I wouldn't hang out with you. I wouldn't I wouldn't call you. Right, I, if you're not a Packers fan, then like I don't know, maybe like we we'd have some trouble half of the year, six months out of the year. Sorry, sorry, right. You know that there is a God that exists and that's alive when, when the big G and the big star can hang out together, right? In the same room watching the same game. God's team, G, right? I, I don't know what you're doing with the star. God made stars, I guess. Go stars. All right. So, so Cowboy and Packer fans, how, how does that happen, right? How does that happen? Because he is risen. He is risen. He changes people. That's what he does. That's what he does. Turn your neighbor and say, that's what he does. That's what he does. That's what he does. Because on Friday, he became nothing, but on Sunday... He became everything. Write this down. Everything. Verse 11. Every tongue confess. Every tongue confess. What what needs to happen to this man, Jesus, that is fully God, fully man? He's been exalted, lifted high. He's elevated. What's going to happen? Every tongue's going to confess. Here it is. Here it is. Do you believe we have arrived? We've arrived. What's the name? What's the name? Verse 11. Every tongue is going to confess. Knees bowed tongue confess that jesus christ is that jesus christ is that he's lord that he's the king that he is the one that calls the shots that he is the sovereign one over the universe that is a name that's not given just to anybody that's a name that is rightfully earned by fulfilling the mission humbling himself taking it all rising again on the third day that He is the Lord. I was going through revelation, and this is just uh, so mind-boggling. I don't like I said earlier, I don't know what your view of God is. When you, when you think of God, what, what comes to mind? Revelation 19. I don't know what you're reading these days, but like everybody's a conspiracy theorist and making a YouTube channel about it, right? 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 Okay, here's the truth. Here's the truth. Revelation 19. There is this vision. I saw heaven open up. John said, the Apostle John. And behold, check this out, a white horse. The one sitting on it was called Faithful and True. This is Jesus. And in righteousness, he judges and he makes war. His eyes are like a flame of fire, and on his head are many diadems or crowns. He has a name written that no one knows but himself. He's clothed, this is hardcore, right? He's clothed in a robe that's dipped in blood things are going down in the end and the name by which he is called here's one of his names the word of god the word of god and the armies of heaven arrayed in fine linen white and pure were following him on white horses and what's happening jesus is returning from his mouth comes a sharp sword with to strike down the nations he will rule them with a rod of iron he will tread The winepress of fury of the wrath of God the Almighty. And here it is, verse 16. And on his robe, that's dipped in blood, and on his thigh, it is written this King of kings and Lord of lords. So if you're not all about, well, I try not to allow my kids to watch kind of like battle scenes and, and, and bloody movies, well, don't read Revelation at nighttime, all right, okay. And if I, I'm not sure about tattoos and if like, Jesus has got a tat on his thigh. It says King of Kings and Lord of Lords, just saying, okay? You can interpret that however you want to. You can make your own life decisions, all right? But read Revelation before you before you make a move because you will see that this Jesus he is not a sheep snuggling. He's not a pacifist. He's a warrior. And do you know what he's done with his strength? He's pursued you, going after you, taking you down and all of your defiance and all of your rejection and all your stiff arming. And that love compels him to be a warrior to pursue your heart. Does he have your heart? Is he not just the Lord? But as we started, Easter. Easter is a time that we're able to step back and not just say, He went from becoming nothing to becoming everything. But I wonder if this Easter you could say, He became my everything. And, and, and maybe you have made a profession of faith. Maybe you have prayed in the past, Jesus, forgive me and help me. And, and maybe you would view Jesus as He's a Savior and He's a rescuer. But I was going through Romans 10, and I, just, I was blown away by this. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is not your, just your rescuer, not your forgiver, but he's your Lord, every say Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be, you'll be saved. Have you done that? Not just Jesus, forgive me so that I can keep sinning all of those forgiven sins. Forgive me for messing up so then I can keep justifying living a lifestyle that is selfish. Bow the knee, right? We heard some stories. We heard some testimonies today of those that don't just want to, Jesus, forgive me and then let me live my life however I want to. Is Jesus, become my everything. I'm no longer serving me. I'm serving you. I'm no longer living for me. I'm living for you. You're the King of kings and the Lord of lords mine become my everything that's the that's the offer everybody say land the plane i just want to say this he's not your savior if he's not your lord he hasn't rescued you if you have not submitted to him as your king as the boss of your life he will either be king of all or he'll not be king at all and we have two blanks left here's the question How do I go from knowing in my head that Jesus is over everything, that he has become everything after the resurrection? But here's the question. How do I make Jesus my everything? How do I make Jesus my everything? I want us to to write these two things down. Number one, from verse 10, every knee's gonna bow. How do I make him my everything? I bow. I bow down now. I don't wait for later. I bow the knee. I surrender my will I give up, I let Jesus take over, he is Lord. And second in verse 11, we see every tongue is going to confess, I confess today. Jesus, my Lord, be my Lord, be my King. I receive you today, I'm not going to live for me any longer. I'm not living for what pleases me today, I want to live for what lasts forever. I want to live for what lasts forever. And following you leads to eternal life